Um, today we're going to continue walking through the book of Mark and we're going to come to a very fascinating text. It is Mark chapter 10 verse 35 through verse number 41. It's an interesting text because it comes on the backside of Jesus' third prediction of his death that we talked about yesterday. Now, if you will remember the first time that Jesus predicted his death back in Caesarea Philippi, um, he predicts his death right after Peter declares him to be the Son of God, the Messiah. And Jesus, of course, at that moment, uh, predicts his death. And then on the backside, Peter rebukes him for such a thought. And Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. And so when we think about that text, I want us to now come to this third prediction of his death. Because something happens here that is like unto what happened with Peter. And there's a similar rebuke, although maybe not as sharp. In the text, and this time it deals with James and John. So Jesus predicts the third time that he's going to suffer and die, that the way for the crown is the cross. The way for him to receive glory is through suffering, shame, and death. And just on the backside of that, we have this text. Then James and John. The sons of Zebedee, two of his disciples, approached him and said, Teacher, we want to ask you something, and we want you to do something for us if we ask you. Jesus responds, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Allow us to sit at your right and your left in your glory. Now understand, once again, you have to look at this through a strictly Jewish lens. These are two Jewish men who have messianic hopes in Jerusalem. Jesus is walking to Jerusalem. And the interest in Jesus is peaked. It's at an all-time high. As a matter of fact, in John 6, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, what do we know from that text? That they wanted that day to take Jesus and make him the Messiah. So there are many who are walking with Jesus to Jerusalem with one idea in mind. When we get there, he's going to take the throne. When we get there, he's going to fulfill that which has been prophesied, although they were speculating on those prophecies being fulfilled only physically. And here we are Jesus is walking to Jerusalem and he's going to suffer and die for the sins of the world. And James and John are still concerned about sitting on his right and sitting on his left on his throne in Jerusalem. What they're saying is, Jesus, when you get there and when you get to your throne, don't forget about us. You know, we've been walking with you since we left our nets back in Galilee. So if you could just take that into account. And we're going to find in a moment that they actually did this secretly. They did this out of the gaze and the watchful eye of the other apostles. And so they're kind of trying to maneuver and manipulate their way. So once again, Jesus has told them he's going to die. But they're still insisting that he's going to be sitting on the throne in a few days. And we want to make sure that we are going to be sitting on that throne with you. 
Jesus looked at them and he said, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We are able, they told him. Now, John Phillips, the great Bible commentator, speaks on this statement of Jesus in verse number 38. And I want you to listen to what he says. He says, the cup, oh, that cup, gazing into it in Gethsemane would bring the blood sweat to his brow. No one but he on earth and his Father in heaven and the Holy Spirit in his heart could know the full horror of that cup and that baptism. He had begun his public ministry by being plunged beneath the chilly waters of the Jordan, thus to identify himself with Adam's ruined race, which he had come to save. Ahead lay a deeper, darker Jordan, the dark river of death. There he would be identified with the sins of the world. There he who knew no sin would be made sin for us. There he, the Lord of life, would taste of death for every man. Whoever it is who wants to know the full terror of that baptism must fathom the depths of his anguished cry. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The cup spoke of his inward sufferings. The baptism spoke of his outward sufferings. Jesus says, are you able to drink this cup Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Because here's the thing, I am going to suffer the wrath of God on your behalf. James and John, they answered, we are able. Jesus says, you will drink the cup I drink. And you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. Jesus says, indeed, you will feel some of this. You will not feel all of it because that is something only I can drink, something only I can experience. But James and John, you know not yet what you are saying because one day you are going to suffer for my sake. James, if you can only see into the future, you're going to be the first disciple that is beheaded for the gospel message. And John, if you could only see into the future, you would see that you are going to live a long life, but you're going to suffer much for the cause of Christ and die at an old age. And so indeed, great suffering is coming upon you gentlemen who have decided to follow me. And so you say you're able, but understand what is coming It is going to hurt and it is going to be painful and you're going to have to go through a lot. It's not going to be all that I went through. However, you are my disciples and because you are my disciples, you will suffer for my name's sake. But to sit at my right hand and my left hand is not mine to give. Instead, it is prepared for or it is for those it has been prepared for. Here we have the difference between salvation and reward There is a difference. You see, salvation is for those who have repented of their sin and given their life to Christ. They have been forgiven. They have been saved. Reward, however, is is that which we are given because of our faithfulness to Christ after salvation. And Jesus says, boys, the rewards of heaven, that's going to be given on the day of judgment. Don't worry yourself about that right now. You just follow me. You just walk with me. And when the other ten disciples heard it, 
they began to be indignant with James and John. So Peter, Matthew, Judas, and the rest, they get upset because they went and asked the question to sit at his right and his left. And they're upset because what they're thinking is, man, I wish I had thought of that. I wish I'd have asked that. Why wasn't that uh, what I did? And so here we see this, friends, that disciples are still trying to discern, still trying to understand this whole concept of a suffering Messiah. Does it make sense to them? And perhaps it doesn't make sense to you either. Well, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it is the power of God and the salvation for those of us to, who believe. So for those of you who may not understand it, and it may seem like folly to you, understand that once you come to Christ, you will see its power magnified through the gospel and the inward change that comes through knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I urge you, I implore you, I plead with you today to give your life to Christ. If you decide to give your life to Christ or you would like more information on a walk with Christ, please visit our website, flatcreekchurch.net. Go to our connections page and let us know of your decision to follow Christ so that we can come alongside of you in your walk with him. Listen, I love you. God bless you. And I look forward to seeing you this time tomorrow.